0: Welcome to episode 566 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the DigitalMediaZone.com. I'm Josh Pollard, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games, or maybe just a couple of those tonight. We mentioned last week that Richard would be out for a couple of weeks, so it's a solo show with me also Not a lot of news to cover this week, so this should be a pretty short episode. Another thing making it short, no listener feedback this week. If you'd like to rectify that situation for a future episode, you can email us entertainment2.0 at com, and all the rest of our contact information will be in the show notes and we'll talk about some of it later at the end of the show. So anyway, let's get into the news for the week. First up, video news. If you are an Android TV or a Google TV user, good news, you've got a new app to use as a remote control for your device. It is the Google TV app. And you might be thinking, haven't I had that on my Android phone forever? Nope, that was the Android TV remote app. And it was pretty terrible. The new one is supposed to be much better. I've not gotten a chance to use it just yet, but it is it's available now in in Android. The way that you get it is install the Google TV app. That app, obviously, as we've talked about it in the past, it's got a lot of other functionality for curating wish list, and you can uh, put put your viewing preferences into it so that it can recommend other shows to you that uh, that the service thinks that you might like. Uh, And and of course, make that watch list. Well, now there's also a remote control app inside of it. Now, I, I know what you might be thinking, like, really, I've got to find another app and then find the remote control section inside of this really busy app. Well, there's another option also on your Android device. There's, of course, the quick settings section. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, it's all of those little buttons that appear when you swipe down from the top where you would normally turn on and off your Wi-Fi and your Bluetooth, turn on your flashlight. Those are probably the three most common things that people do with their quick settings. Well, uh, go to the section on your phone that allows you to add a tile to your quick settings, and there'll be an option for TV remote. And that will take you straight into the Google TV remote experience from that Google TV Application, so a much faster way of getting to it when you're just trying to use your phone as your remote because you don't know where your remote control is or because it's on the other side of the living room and you don't want to get up but the really the best use case for this app that the reason that I have used it the most or at least the old version, the Android TV app, the reason that I've used it the most is it allows you to use your phone's keyboard has your keyboard input on your TV. So best example of this, you've just installed a new streaming app and you need to log in? Well, if you're like me and you've got a really long email address and a really long password, trying to type that in using a standard remote control takes forever and it's awful. Plus, if people are in the room with you, they can see you typing in your password. So that's not exactly ideal either. So now you would just, you know, click into the text input field uh, with your regular remote. You could do it that way. Then grab your Android phone, open up this remote app, and it will immediately switch to uh, an interface like a text box interface for you to just use the keyboard on the app on your phone which is going to be way, way faster. The other advantage to that, if you're using a password manager, which you should be, of course, because I'm sure all of you listeners uh, practice the absolute best internet safety practices, and of course, using a password manager is one of them, then when you're logging into Netflix, you probably have a 20-character password that's just a bunch of random letters, numbers, and symbols that you couldn't possibly remember. Well, that's also miserable to type in with a regular remote control app. But if you're using the keyboard on your phone, where your password manager is, you can just copy and paste it right in. So that's that's probably the the best use case that I can think of for this app, other than just mm, I'm not sure where the remote is or the remote's on the other side of the room. And I'm too lazy to get up right now because I really just wanted to watch TV at the end of the day. Why does the world hate me and place that remote on the other side of the room? Switching to audio news for this week, IKEA is launching a new version of their Sonos light. Yes, that's the Symphonisk lamp. It's it, it's not really a light. It's a lamp it, 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 that you would put on your end table or your nightstand that the base of it is basically a Sonos One style speaker. Now, I, I say Sonos One style because it's, you know, it's just a cylinder. It's just the cylinder, not, you know, a, a wider offering like the Sonos Play 5 or something like that. So it it's the base of a lamp, but it is also a Sonos speaker that all reviews have said sounds really good, but it's also a lamp. So you can have a really good wireless speaker using Sonos technology, any place that you would have a lamp, and you don't have to have two devices. So maybe you just don't want uh, an ugly speaker sitting in your room somewhere. But then the question becomes, do you think this lamp looks nice or not? Well, you're going to get a couple of new options as they are releasing a brand new version of this on October 12th. So you're going To be able to customize this by picking a specific base, which is the speaker itself, and a shade. So, for the base, in typical IKEA fashion, you get two options black and white. That's it. No other colors to choose from there. And then for the shade, you can pick either a textile shade or a glass shade. And you buy both pieces individually. So the the base itself, either color, is $152. For the textile shade, so it's made of, of fabric, it, it's $24. The glass shade is $35. So that brings the total up to about $170 or about $180. So that's actually still cheaper than The Sonos One speaker. In fact, after the price increase that we mentioned on, I believe, the previous episode, that makes it considerably cheaper than the Sonos One speaker. And it's also a lamp. So if you've been thinking about a Sonos One, it's at least worth checking out this IKEA option because it costs less money and it's even more functional. So worth checking out. It's hard to tell from the pictures, but this device looks pretty large to me. Even though uh IKEA says that they made it smaller because they found that a lot of people were using them on their nightstands and, you know, a lot of times your nightstand is not all that big and you need room for like charging your phone and your wallet or, you know, whatever else you like to put on your nightstand. So uh, I I would like to see some better pictures. I'd like to see it in person uh, to see just how big or small it actually is. And I would love to actually hear one of these things because the price and the functionality sounds like a really great match. It's hard to believe we're not even 10 minutes into this episode and we're already into the gaming section. First up, a couple of stories from Xbox. The first one is the coolest one, and that is that Dolby Vision is now available for games on the Xbox Series X and S devices. The important distinction here is that it's for games. Dolby Vision has been supported on the Xbox consoles, even the Xbox One consoles, for video playback from from your 4K Blu-ray disc or from apps like Netflix and Amazon Prime Video and and others have supported Dolby Vision for years now. But no console has ever supported Dolby Vision for gaming. And I know what you're thinking, but haven't we had HDR games for a while? Yes, we have. But those have used HDR 10. And while HDR 10 is pretty good, Dolby Vision is the king when it comes to HDR. And that's because it can do specific you know brightness level information on a per frame basis the individual frame of video being displayed on your TV can have individual brightness calibration settings that's different from HDR10 where all of that is just like in the case of a movie it would it would tell your TV all of the same settings for the entire movie so you can get an even more dynamic High dynamic resolution experience using Dolby Vision than you can with HDR10. So, right now at launch, this is available right now at launch on on Xbox Series X and S. It's supported by over 100 games already. Games that support HD, uh, Auto HDR, uh, you'll be able to turn on a feature to do some sort of. I, I mean the the best way that I can describe how I think it works is similar to upscaling, but in this case with HDR. So, you know, typically upscaling refers to taking a lower resolution video, doing some processing on it and rendering it in a higher resolution. I think they're doing a similar sort of thing here for games that aren't natively Dolby Vision uh, but there are over 100 native Dolby Vision games available now. And of course, Microsoft is making the tools very easy for developers to implement if they want to do native Dolby Vision in their games. For you, super hardcore fans out there who might be a little bit worried, don't worry. You can still do 4K at 120 frames per second uh, and with. Variable refresh rate, all enabled while you're using Dolby Vision in your game. So you can get the absolute best possible experience right now with Dolby Vision and all of the other bells and whistles that you expect out of your Series X device right now. And Dolby Vision, it's only available on Xbox. You can't do this on a PlayStation 5 right now. The next thing we're going to talk about, also for Xbox gamers, if you are the, the type of person who is doing all of the advanced testing for Xbox game consoles to the point where you are in either the alpha or alpha skip ahead ring for testing, you've got a new feature to check out on your Xbox console. And that is the ability to do Xbox cloud game streaming from your console. We've talked about this feature in the past that it would be coming this holiday to everybody? Well, for the earliest round of testers, it's available right now. So you can boot up your Xbox and do cloud game streaming right from it. I'm excited about this and the ability to check out games before having to actually download them. You know, I've got a fairly fast internet connection at home, but it still takes hours to download a hundred gigabyte game. If I can just check it out via streaming, that's going to save me a ton of time and a ton of bandwidth. I I talked, I think it was just last episode, about how uh, my my friends and I all downloaded a 38 gigabyte game to check out to play with each other on a, a free trial weekend. And we spent about 45 minutes each of us playing the game before we realized it's only a three player game and there were four of us, so we uninstalled it. So we all downloaded a 38 gigabyte game to play it for 45 minutes and then uninstall it. It would have been so much better if we could have just streamed it through Xbox cloud gaming. And, you know, we, we wouldn't have had to waste nearly as much bandwidth that way or wait nearly as long for, for the game. It's just immediately available. The last Xbox story is just to update you on all of the latest features that have come to Xbox across multiple platforms. Actually, the September Xbox update brings a couple of new features to the Windows 10 app and uh, one kind of important feature on the Xbox consoles on the Windows 10 app. They've now brought. Yep. The same thing we were just talking about. Xbox cloud gaming built into the Windows 10 Xbox app. You could already play Xbox Cloud Gaming on a Windows 10 PC inside of a browser, but now you get, you know, a a nicer potentially experience uh, all within that Xbox app. They've also added the ability to add Xbox Game Pass games to your Play Later list from within that app. So if you're at work and your friends in Slack say, hey, check out, you guys should check out this game. I was playing it last night. You can fire up the Xbox app right from your PC and find that game on Game Pass and add it to your play later list so that when you get home or maybe just go downstairs since most of us are working from home nowadays and boot up your Xbox that night, You can go to your play later list and it'll be right there. You don't have to try and remember the name of the game that your friends were recommending or anything like that. It'll just be right there. And if it's a game that's available in cloud gaming, you could also play it right then from your play later list. The last new feature coming in this September Xbox update, well, it's already here, is actually available on the Xbox Xbox consoles. And that's that they've updated the latest version of Edge, their web browser, on the console. And I know what you might be thinking, like, why why do I need a web browser on my game console? Well, there are a couple of use cases. One is you can actually use Discord in your web browser on Xbox using this latest version of Edge. So maybe that's useful to you for, for chatting with your friends. Another Kind of crazy thing that you can do with this version of Edge is play Stadia games. So you could use your Xbox to play Stadia games on your TV. That's kind of crazy. I'm not sure how many people would actually do that, but the fact that you can is kind of awesome. The other nice feature about this is if you were doing something on your Xbox that did cause a web browser to open, because this is the latest version of Edge that's also on your desktop, it's also on mobile devices, it has that ability to what they call send the tab to another device, which just means that you can open up the page that you were browsing on your Xbox on your phone or on your PC so that, you know, if you were looking at a game guide, you know, to find secrets in, in the game that you're working on or something like that. You can now, maybe you started it on your Xbox, but now you want to get back to playing the game, but you'd still like to build a quickly reference the guide. Well, you can just send that tab from the Xbox to your phone or your laptop or your tablet or, or whatever is sitting there next to you while you're playing. All right, our last news story of the night is about Valve's Steam Deck. We covered this a few weeks ago. This is Valve's attempt to make a portable game console. It's most easily compared to the Nintendo Switch. It's very different, but it is a, a portable gaming console that has a similar form factor to the Nintendo Switch. One of the things that we talked about when it was announced that was one of the biggest potential limiting factors to this thing is that it runs Linux natively. Now, I'm not being a Linux hater. The problem there is that so many of the really popular games, especially the multiplayer ones, well, like definitely the multiplayer ones, use anti-cheat software so that people don't cheat in the games. And the two most popular anti-cheat software packages out there are called Easy Anti-Cheat, which is made by Epic, and BattleEye. And neither of them, when they at least when Valve announced the Steam Deck, supported Linux. So you wouldn't be able to play Apex Legends on your Steam Deck. Well, this week Epic announced that that EAC, the the easy anti-cheat software that they make, is now available on Linux. So many popular games like Apex Legends will be capable of being played on a Steam Deck once it releases later this year. But EAC is not the the only anti-cheat software out there. There's also, of course, BattleEye that we just mentioned, and we're really going to need that one too. Well. They're not available yet, but they have said they're working on it and they're actually really close to releasing their update too. One of the really popular games that uses BattleEye, Fortnite. Maybe you're thinking exactly what I'm thinking. Uh, Fortnite's made by Epic. You just said that easy anti-cheat is made by Epic. Why doesn't Epic use their own anti-cheat software? I have no idea. It makes no sense to me either, (laughs) but... Fortunately, it sounds like Easy Anti-Cheat and Battle Eye will be available by the time the Steam Deck is released. This will, of course, require the game developers to release an update to their games, but game updates happen all the time. So I'm sure that most game developers, especially developers who have games that, that are you know, top 25 games on Steam, will be releasing patches as soon as this is available so that people can play this on Steam Deck and so that people can play these games on Mac and Linux. All right, well, that's actually it for our news this week. So this is the part of the show where we talk about the things that have been going on in our entertainment centers. For me, I actually started playing a new game this last weekend. It's not that new, but it's the game called It Takes Two. And this is a two-player co-op game from Hayes Light Studios. That's the company that made the game A Way Out. And some of you may remember that when A Way Out came out a couple of years ago, my friend Joe, who I, I used to do the Story Players podcast with, we, on launch day, we took that, that day off of work and we played all the way through A Way Out together. We live streamed the whole thing. Had an absolute blast to this day. It is still one of my all time favorite gaming memories. It was so much fun. The game was fun. The experience was fun. Everything about it was just great. So, obviously, we were both really excited about It Takes Two, but you know, pandemic and I moved, and it is a very different experience. This is a game that can be played online. Uh, We weren't quite certain whether we wanted to play it online together or in person. So far, we've started it online because it's a longer game than A Way Out, I think. So we started it this weekend. We've played through the first two chapters. It is so fun. It is so fun. It supports couch co-op. It supports online co-op. It's a game that so far seems like, you know, somebody of just about any age could play this game but the the story to it is a there there's a mom and a dad and, and they've got one daughter and the daughter is probably 7 or 8 years old and the the mom and the, and the dad are about to get a divorce and so they tell their daughter they're getting a divorce and the daughter is obviously really really upset about it and some things happen, and the parents get turned into two of her dolls, and they have to work together to return back to their full human form, and the game has so many hilarious things going on. There's a really funny character that, that I'm not going to spoil that that shows up frequently within the game, and... There's just a lot of of things that you have to work together to solve. It's not, you know, super challenging puzzle type mechanics or anything like that. It's just different gameplay mechanics in every single level that do require some form of cooperation. And through the first two levels, Joe and I have had an absolute blast playing this game, and I cannot wait to play more of it. And on the TV watching side... We have continued to watch much more of Ted Lasso. We are now up through season two, episode eight. So we've really only got a couple of episodes left. Man, I I, I just absolutely love this show. I, I don't know why I waited so long to watch it. Richard was right. Everybody else on the internet was right. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso yet, you need to get Apple TV Plus and watch it. It's five bucks a month for Apple TV Plus, I think. You're only talking about 20 episodes of a show. You can binge through that in less than a month. So for five bucks, you get really some of the best TV content released in years and years and years. And let me just say, now that I'm almost through season two, I want to be Roy Kent when I grow up. That that character is just fantastic. He's so complex but also so simple at the same time and he's just he's he's just awesome and and I want to be Roy Kent. So that's it for for Ted Lasso. If if you haven't watched it yet, you really really owe it to yourself uh to watch it soon. The only thing that that I like to point out for Ted Lasso is there is a lot of language in it. A lot of language. So if that's an issue, don't watch it with your kids around. There's also some sexual content, so that that could potentially be an issue. There's not a ton of it. It's typically not super, you know, obscene or anything like that, but there is a couple of of scenes. So maybe maybe at least watch it uh on your own before watching it with your kids uh if if that could be a problem. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news and what's going on in my entertainment center. We are going to be without Richard for a, another couple of weeks here, so I'm going to look at doing something fun over the next couple of weeks so that it's not just me every week because I, I know you all would uh, appreciate another voice on the show. But in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter. Richard is at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard, and the website has its own account on Twitter and Instagram at Digi Media Zone All of the rest of our contact information is up there on the website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com. Of course, make sure you're subscribed to the show in whatever podcast listener app you're using on your device. And we would also, of course, really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with a friend who you think might like it. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 566. I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios.